Today, I want to talk to you about defeating debt and financial freedom. I want to talk to you about defeating debt and having financial freedom. How many of you guys would like to have financial freedom? Where you didn't have to worry about money. You didn't have to worry each week how you're going to live, how you're going to keep food on the table. That you didn't have to worry about the president fixing all your financial problems. Right now, we're in a season in America and even countries around the world that are hoping their government is going to fix all their financial problems. In America, we have $19.4 trillion of debt. And in this current election, people are asking the candidates, what is your financial, pro uh, uh, financial plan? How are you going to fix the problems in our country? How are you going to help college students who are graduating find a job and be able to pay the bills? What's your financial plan? But we all know this in this room. There's not a person in the world that can fix all the financial problems we have. But we have the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords who's given us the blueprint, the map, the financial plan to get out of debt and to have financial freedom. And this morning, I want to talk to you about that. It's been stirring in my heart for really the last few months to just stir up our church to not just believe to get by, but to be a blessing in the earth. I believe God didn't just put us on this earth to survive. I, I believe God didn't just put us on this earth to be a prisoner to debt and to be a slave to the bank and to feel like we're never going to get out of it and that we're always going to be living paycheck to paycheck. I believe God put us on this earth to be a force of good and to advance the kingdom of God and to bring hope to the hopeless and to be a blessing to our families, our friends, and the church. And I believe God has you here on purpose and you're watching on purpose. This is not an accident that you're here. This is not some random message. This is a message that every person needs. So even if you're not a Christian, even if you don't believe in God, you're in the right place this morning because we're going to help you set you up for victory. And you're going to know at the end of this service that the only answer out there in the world is Jesus Christ. And the word of God gives us the plan to walk in victory. If you have a Bible, go to 1 Chronicles chapter 14, uh, chapter 4, verse 10. 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verse 10. And when you get there, just shout Boomer Sooners. Come on, somebody. 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verse 10. And if you have a problem with me shouting Boomer Sooner, God bless you. <laughs> This is a story about a man who was born in the midst of trouble and pain. He brought his mom pain. She was delivering him. And when she was delivering him, it was such a painful experience that she named him pain. And pain translated in Hebrew was Jabez. How would you like to be named pain? Where they're like, hey, pain Johnson, come over here. Come on, little PJ, little Trouble Johnson, get over here. Payne Doherty, come on, little PD, you come over here, right? I mean, it would not be a nice thing to be named Payne or Trouble. And yet this guy lived most of his life feeling like he was cursed, that he was walking under this curse of I'm, I am painful. I am, I am constantly bringing pain and trouble. And so this moment in his life, he decides I'm going to change the trajectory of my life. I'm going to change uh, from being a curse to being a blessing. And so he prays to God and he says this prayer, oh Lord, I pray that you would bless me, enlarge my territory. God, be with me in all that I do and keep me from all trouble and pain. And it says, God granted his request. I believe that God's waiting for us to ask him to do the impossible. 
and that he's willing to grant our request. I believe God is waiting for believers to pray bold, audacious prayers. That we wouldn't say, one of these days, the government's gonna solve all my problems. One of these days, we're gonna get a president that fixes all my financial woes. But that we would say, no, I have a God in heaven who's not waiting for the next president, who's not waiting for the next government to fix my problems. So Lord, I'm asking you to bless me, to get me out of debt so that I can be a blessing to my family and the next generation. Lord, I'm asking you to enlarge my territory, to increase my influence. I'm not born to survive. I am born to thrive. So Lord, I pray that you would bless me to be a blessing. There was a story history shares that Napoleon Bonaparte, the famous war hero who was conquering the world, he had gone to one of his areas that he had just got done conquering and he was shaking hands with some of his soldiers. And they had taken over several islands off the coast of Greece. And, and while he was shaking hands with these young soldiers, none of them had high ranks as officials, this one young guy grabbed Napoleon's hand and said, may I have the island of Malta? And everybody just kind of gasped. The captain next to Napoleon was furious. I can't believe someone would literally ask for the island of Malta. And the captain came up to Napoleon and said, do you want me to kill him right now? I mean, should we just kill him? And Napoleon held his hand and he said, granted, it's yours. And the captain said, why did you just give him the island of Malta? And Napoleon looked at his captain and he said, because he had the audacity to ask me for it because he had the audacity to ask me for it. There was a moment where the king of Saudi Arabia, true story, invited a professional golfer from America to come and golf in Saudi Arabia. And so the golfer flew on the private jet of the king of Saudi Arabia all the way from the United States to Saudi Arabia. He golfed a few days, enjoyed the luxuries of the palace of the king. And after he was done golfing, the king was loading him back up on his private jet to fly back home. And the king said, I want to bless you. I'll give you anything you want. You name it. You ask for it. I'll give it to you. The golfer said, you've already taken care of me. I mean, you treated me like a king, like I'm royalty. The king said, I want to bless you. What do you want? The golfer thought about it for a moment. He said, well, I collect golf clubs. So maybe you could give me a golf club. The king said, done. And so the golfer got on the plane, on the jet, flew back to the United States of America, got home, and week after week, he was checking the mail, waiting to see when this golf club would arrive. He was imagining what it would look like. Maybe it would be a pure gold golf club. I mean, this was the king of Saudi Arabia. Maybe he would put diamonds on there and rubies and jewels, and he would be the most expensive golf club ever. One day, a letter came in the mail from the king of Saudi Arabia. The golfer opened up the letter, and it was a deed to a 500-acre golf club a course in America on the nicest piece of property because kings think on a higher level than everybody else. And we serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords who doesn't just want you to get by, but he wants you to be a blessing for the nations and for generations to come. I want to ask just by a show of hands, if you were to get debt free, if you were to get debt free, would you, how many of you would be the first one in your family, even your parents and grandparents, to get out of debt, to be debt free? Raise your hands across this room. Come on. I want you to see it happening in your lifetime sooner than later in Jesus' name. Lord, I just pray right now that this message would just sink into our hearts. 
God, I pray, Lord, that you would help us to overcome distractions, anything that would hinder us from hearing this message. Lord, I pray for any person in here who has a hard time listening to any sermon about money. God, that today you would speak to them and show them that nothing happens without money. And Lord, that they would have a mind and a heart to see the purpose of money is not meant to be greedy or meant to be spent only on them, but meant to be a blessing to so many people who need help, so many hungry people who need to be fed, so many people around the world that need the gospel. So Lord, today, I pray that you'd open the hearts of young and old, married and single, to receive this message by faith. God, I thank you that we have the helmet of salvation, the mind of Christ, the breastplate of righteousness the belt of truth that today we're going to hear the truth and it's going to set us free. Lord, I thank you that we have the shoes of peace, peace that passes all understanding. God, I thank you that we have the shield of faith, which blocks every fiery dart of the enemy. God, that blocks hopelessness and discouragement and comparison. And Lord, that we have the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And as it's spoken today, it will not return void. It will not return void. It will accomplish what it's meant to accomplish. So God, give us eyes to see what the word says and ears to hear what you're saying. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. amen. Financial freedom. In 1981, my dad, Billy Joe Doherty, who started Victory, he had just began the church, and the church was growing rapidly. In fact, in two months, 1,600 people had started coming to Victory, and it was a fast-growing church in America. And he didn't know how we were going to handle the growth, all of these young people, older people coming, joining the church. And so he went to the bank, and he decided to get a loan so that way we could secure a location as a church. And he pulled a loan out of $3.3 million of debt that we would pay over a course of time, and each month, we would pay $42,000 towards this payment. The interest rates in 1981 on that loan were 15%. So after four years of paying $42,000 a month as a church, we had paid $1.7 million towards a $3.3 million loan, and we had only knocked off $200,000 of the actual principal which meant that the bank took home $1.5 million to do whatever they wanted to do with it. Now, I'm not saying banks are bad, but the Bible says that the borrower is slave to the lender. In other words, when you go to someone else and say, I can't do what God's called me to do without your help, without you paying me and, and me borrowing money from you, you automatically enslave yourself to the person who's lending you that money. And, and what started stirring in my dad's heart after those four years is, we've got to get out of these chains. The bank has become our boss. If the wealth of the wicked is stored up for the hands of the righteous, but the righteous are in debt to the bank, then we've just become the middleman where the wealth of the wicked flows through us to go back into the banks and they get to do whatever they want to do. So in order for us to receive the blessing that God has for us, we're going to have to get out of debt. We're gonna to have to break off these chains and we're gonna to have to decide from this day forward, we are not going back into debt. Now, debt is not a bad thing. Debt, you don't go to hell for going to debt, so there's no condemnation in here. Otherwise, a lot of us might be headed there <laughs> because a lot of us have debt. Debt is not a, a, a prerequisite to be a Christian. I mean, as far as getting out of debt. But here's the point. As believers, God has not called us to be in bondage our entire life. 
God has called us to walk in freedom, not just freedom from lust, not just freedom from drugs, not just freedom from abuse or freedom from shame and guilt, but also freedom from financial stress and financial debt. How many of you guys believe that God wants you to be free? from anything that the enemy would use to try and keep you in captivity. All of us believe that. All of us in this room want to help people who are hurting. When we hear about a single parent mom who can't make ends meet, who's hurting financially and, and, and bad things are happening, our hearts break, we wanna help her. When we hear about a college student who loses his scholarship funds and, and has a dream to go to college, we wanna help him. When we hear about people that are facing tough times, when we hear about people in Rwanda or Malawi who have no electricity, and as a church we're able to give solar lights to, we want to do that. But when we're in financial stress and bondage with debt, it makes it harder and harder for us to be able to do that. And so we've got to step back and say, why are we in debt? My dad had to ask himself this question, why did I go to the bank? Why did I get in debt? And I think there's several reasons of why we get into debt. I think, you know, some of the reasons are we inherit it from our parents, from our grandparents. We just kind of take it on. And uh, some of us, we marry into debt. We have to, you know, it becomes our debt when our spouse has loans that we're paying off. And, uh, and we don't need to cause condemnation on any spouse. We take on that debt. Some of us in this room, we've not been taught any differently. We think debt's the only way to survive. Debt's the only way to live. And so we feel like that's what we got to do. We got to get more loans. And, and we think that's the only way to buy a car or buy a house or do anything is to get more and more debt. But some of us in this room, we get into debt, not because we had to, but because we're trying to keep up with the Joneses. And, and in the old days, you actually had to see the Joneses to keep up with them. Now you just pull out your phone and they're on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter, and they're posting their brand new truck that they just got. They're posting their brand new vacation they just went on. They're posting about their new remodel kitchen and then you're watching HGTV and you see Chip and Joe uh, Gaines doing all their cool stuff and you're, 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 you're thinking, man, I want to do that. I want to be able to do what Joanne is doing. I want to change my kitchen and change my house. And what happens is we end up spending money that we don't have to impress people that we don't like. And we think somehow this is the way to live, right? And you don't have to live like that. And if God helped victory get out of $3.3 million of debt, God can help you get out of thousands of dollars of debt or millions of dollars of debt, that you don't have to live the rest of your life in debt financially. Romans chapter 13 says that the only debt we should owe is the debt of love. And so we can come to that place where we can have victory in our finances, freedom. But we've got to first decide, I'm going to quit the comparison trap. I'm going to quit the comparisons with where other people are at, what they're getting to do with the truck they just bought, with the house they now have. And oftentimes, we don't know how many of those people went into debt to get a lot of that stuff, right? Texas calls it big hat, no cattle. They wear a big hat, looks like they got a lot of stuff, then you show up at the ranch and they have no ranch, have no cattle. It's all been through credit cards. And that's not the way that God wants us to live. So we've got to quit the comparison. And if someone gets a new dress or new shoes or they get to go and buy some cool new stuff, that we can be thankful for what we have and celebrate what they have, but we don't have to go into debt to try and compete with them. That we can keep our eyes on what we have. What's the antidote to comparison? It's an attitude of gratitude. Just say, God, I'm thankful for the car that I have, for the bicycle that I have, 
for the legs that I have to walk <laughs> to wherever I need to get to. Lord, I'm thankful for the job that I have, for the apartment that I live in, for the house that I have. I don't have to get something bigger and better to feel good about my life. I can celebrate my friends who are going to Hawaii or going to Branson, Missouri, or, or buying that new truck or buying those new shoes. I don't have to have new shoes to feel good about myself. See, gratitude leaves no room for comparison. You're able to be thankful for what you have and celebrate what other people have. The second thing is we've got to prioritize our relationship with money. Did you know that you have a relationship with your money? And you may not realize it. You might think, well, Paul, I know I can have a relationship with my spouse. I know I can have a relationship with my kids and with people and with God, but I can't really have a relationship with money, but you can. Paul says in Timothy, 1 Timothy uh, chapter six, Paul's talking to this young pastor and he says, Timothy, here's the deal. The love of money. In other words, you can have feelings towards your money, just like you can have feelings towards your spouse or towards someone else. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. He doesn't say that money is the root of evil because we know it takes money to do anything. You wouldn't be here today if you didn't have some money to get here or to wear the clothes that you're wearing or to eat the food that you've been eating. You need money to survive. But when money becomes your God, it's okay to have money. It's not okay for money to have you. Right, because when money has you, you're a slave to the money. And so many people have put money in front of God. They put money in front of marriage, in front of their family, to where money drives everything they do. And so Paul says, listen, because the love of money ruins people and it causes them to wander from their true faith, we've gotta help people to see money is good, but you've gotta prioritize your relationship with it. Jesus said the top two commandments are love God and love money. I'm just testing to see if you're listening this morning. What does he say? Love God. Love your neighbor. Love people. Love God. Love people. Jesus didn't say love money and then love God and then love your neighbor. He said love God, love people. When you work hard and you make money and you have the right heart about it, that you're not the owner of everything you have, but you're the steward of everything that you have, then you're able to use that money to honor God to help your family, help your marriage, help your life, be able to take care of college, be able to take care of food, buy some things you need, buy some things maybe that you want, but you realize that money doesn't own you, right? And Joyce Meyer, she said, my life didn't change, my ministry didn't change until I realized that I'm a steward of what I have and not an owner. Many of us in this room, we feel like we've worked hard and we've earned all of our money. I, I earned it, I made myself successful, I developed my talents, I developed my gifts, I had these connections, I got this job, I worked hard, it's all mine. But you wouldn't be here if God didn't put you on this earth. And the Bible says that everything in the earth is the Lord's, which means that everything we have is actually not ours to own, but ours to steward. And so we steward it by using it to bring God glory. It doesn't mean you can't drive a good car or live in a good house, but it means that you're gonna honor God and that you're gonna trust God financially. There's a thing in the Bible called the tithe. It's 10% of whatever comes in to your life financially. So if you make $100, 10% is $10. This tithe didn't start 
underneath Moses when all the Ten Commandments and laws came in. This tithe actually started in Genesis when Abraham trusted God and said, I'm not gonna rely upon man to be my source. I'm gonna rely upon God to be my source. So I'm gonna take 10% of what I have and I'm gonna offer it back to the Lord for what he wants to do with it. Now we do this today through giving our tithe, our 10% to God to use to help people in our city, to help people at the Tulsa Dream Center, to help people on the missions field. And I wanna encourage all of us today to really ask ourselves, what's my relationship like with my money? Am I putting money ahead of God? Am I giving God no room in my finances? Here's the next thing we've gotta do, and that is make a plan for our money. Instead of waiting for the next president to make a plan for your money, why don't you make a plan for your money? Instead of waiting for the government to fix our money woes, why don't we decide to take personal fiscal responsibility and say, you know what, I need to create a budget. Now, I don't know about you, but budget scares me sometimes. Budget means I can't go out to eat at the restaurants I wanna eat at. I can't go see a movie this week. I can't go buy that thing I wanna buy. I can't go do that thing I wanna do. But budget is not meant to be a prison. Budget is meant to be an empowerment for you to prosper. When I got married, I had my own way of doing things with money. I had my plan, and when I got married, Ashley had her plan, and she said, I got a plan for our money. I said, I bet you do have a plan for our money. <laughs> we had to come together and pray and decide we were gonna get in unity, because when a house divided cannot stand, right? So if you're here today with your spouse and you guys haven't come into agreement financially, you need to pray and get on the same page. Here's what we're gonna do. And what we did is we really looked into the principles of God's word, we both knew that we're supposed to tithe. We also knew that we needed to make some boundaries, that we can't just spend everything that comes in. Proverbs says that the house of the wise has stored up wealth, but the house of the foolish spends everything they have. In other words, foolish people, they don't take into account what they're gonna do, what's coming in and what's going out. And listen, I wanna encourage you this morning to think about what's coming in in November and what's going out. Dave Ramsey says, name every dollar. Even name the dollars that you're gonna put into savings. Name the dollars that you're putting aside for some of the wants that you have, maybe those new shoes, that new dress. And then put money aside for what you're gonna to give towards God, towards the kingdom of God, advancing in your city and in the nation. And then you decide, okay, Lord, I'm gonna put some aside each month to start paying off my debt. Snowball effect on my debt. Starting with the smallest debts first so I can celebrate along the way. As a church, we have put on our website, victory.com, and you can go there right after church today on lunch, uh, around lunch, or if you're watching this on TV, you can go to victory.com and you can sign up. We have a budget sheet. We've got all the stuff you need for you to find how to start uh, making a budget and knocking out debt. We've basically put it all online for you to do right there, and I encourage you to do it. Not while I'm preaching, but after service. But here's why. That when we do that, we wanna get to the point where you can come into church and you can say, I just paid my final bill of debt. I am now debt free. And in the background, we're gonna hear the brave heart scream, saying freedom! And we're all gonna shout, we're gonna dance, and we're gonna praise God, and we're gonna sing, take the shackles off my feet so I can dance. I just wanna praise him. How many of you guys remember that song? Come on, shackles, Mary, Mary. Because as a church, we know that when you are free financially, you have less worry, less anxiety, less stress, and you're able to be a greater blessing to people that need help. Anybody wanna be a greater blessing to people that need help? 
your family, your friends, the people of God. And so we've got to make that decision. Lord, I want to get in line with what you want to do. You know, I started reading my dad's book recently, and it made a huge impact on me. That's why I'm, that's why I'm preaching on this. And he wrote this book called Killing the Giant of Ministry Debt. And it's not just a book for pastors and ministries. It's a book for people that want to get out of debt. One of the things my dad learned when he was leading our church out of debt was being led by the Spirit. When you're led by the Spirit, you're in tune with what God wants you to do. Romans chapter 8 verse 14 says that the children of God are led by the Spirit. You know, throughout my lifetime, there's been many moments where I've heard the Holy Spirit speaking to me to do something, to stop from doing something, to cut something in my life, to invest into something in my life, to sow a seed into a specific thing. When you're led by the Spirit, you're not led by what the economy is saying, what the news people are saying, what friends are saying, what other people are saying. See, we have the inside scoop at our beck and call all the time, 24 seven, you can get in touch with Jesus. You don't need me to get you in touch with him. You don't need a high priest to make it happen. Jesus made a way for every believer to listen to the Holy Spirit, to have a relationship with God. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, there's so many people still today who say, I'm waiting until, you know, uh, so-and-so comes to preach so that way I'll know what to do. I'm waiting until Perry Stone tells me what to do. I'm waiting until Benny Hinn lays hands on me so that way I can get in touch with the whole. I'm waiting until Billy Graham tells me what the instructions are. I'm waiting until the next president. Listen, you have the Holy Spirit 24-7, the same spirit that Billy Graham has, that Oral Roberts had, that Billy Joe Doherty had. You have that same spirit. You can talk to God. James chapter 1 says, if you lack wisdom, ask God and he'll give it to you generously. And he won't rebuke you for asking. And I don't know about you, but I need wisdom. Anyone else need wisdom? Yeah. So we can go to God and we can ask him for it. In 1981, my dad was driving past ORU and he was just praying. He was praying in his known language in English. And he stopped and he looked across from ORU at 7700 South Lewis and he saw this old piece of land with cow pastures. I mean, it was just a, an ugly looking piece of land. And God said, victory's gonna be there one day. The school, the church, it's gonna be there one day on that land. My dad stopped and he could hear the Holy Spirit just speaking to him. It wasn't audible. It was a still small voice. And he began to draw out and sketch out this sanctuary that we sit in today. It wouldn't be until 25 years later that we actually had our first service in this building. But every day he was being led by the Spirit, having patience, trusting that God was going to lead us out of debt and into financial victory. The next thing is that we've got to make sure our motives are right when it comes to financial freedom and financial peace, that it's not just for us to have more money, but it's for us to be a greater blessing. Matthew chapter five says, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. They will see heaven invade their life here on earth. Jesus said, when you pray, don't just pray for a good life. Pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, which means that while we're living on this earth, God wants heaven to invade our finances. God wants heaven to invade our business, to invade our talents, our skills, our careers, that God's not just interested in you getting saved uh, 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 on the inside, but God wants to set you up with a great life to be a blessing while you're here on this earth, to let heaven leak down into your life so it can leak out of your life onto others. 
But it starts by saying, Lord, give me a pure heart. I wanna just encourage you on this. There was a moment where my dad made a decision that he was going to really stand in front of our church and say, hey guys, we've gotta get out of debt, not because we can just say we're out of debt, not so that we can build a bigger building and have more seats and pack out more rooms, but we've gotta get out of debt because we need to reach people. And there are so many people that are hurting in our city that need hope, that need the Holy Spirit. There's so many people in the world that need a church that's not waiting for a handout, but is able to give a handout to people. See, a church that needs a handout from the bank is not able to lend a handout to their city. But a church that needs no handouts is able to stretch their hands out and reach the world. And so it became this pure motive that we're gonna get out of debt so we can help more people. Since we've gotten out of debt, and I tell this as a testimony, since 1985, that was the year Victory got out of debt. It was also the year that I was born. Happy birthday. <laughs> I'm gonna celebrate me. You should celebrate you too. Since that year as a church, we have been able to give $40 million away into people who are hurting, who need help. We've been able to sow into single-parent moms, widows, orphans, young boys, young girls, local outreach, church planters, global mission initiatives. We've been able to build orphanages in Cambodia. We've been able to build homes for orphans in Haiti. We've been able to plant churches in Russia. We've been able to start 1,800 Bible schools around the world. We've been able to purchase 135 acres of land in Oklahoma to build Camp Victory, Victory Bible College, Victory Christian Center, Victory Christian school, the Tulsa Dream Center, Victory Bible College housing. I'm telling you guys, if God did it for this church and this house, he can do it for your house. We aren't some special church. We, I think we are, but at the same time, there's nothing that makes us different from something else. It's just that God got a hold of my dad and he decided, I don't want to be the borrower anymore. I want to be the lender. I want to be the giver. I want to just bless church planters that don't have the money to start a church in Florida or to start a church in Mongolia or to build an orphanage in China. I want to just bless people. And I think God wants to use some of you guys to, to be the biggest givers in this church and in the world. I believe God's looking for some men and women who will be million dollar givers into the kingdom of God to see thousands of people find hope, find healing. I believe God wants to use some of you to build orphanages, hospitals, Christian schools, Bible colleges. I believe God wants to use you to scholarship boys and girls to go to ORU, to go to Victor Bible College, Rama, wherever it is. God wants to use you, but you've got to get it in your heart and get that place of purity to say, Lord, it's not about me. It's not about me making more money for me. It's about me getting out of debt and being financially free to be a blessing in this earth. The next point is this, is that we've got to be willing to reduce expenses. Sometimes you go through tight times in your life, and if you're still spending the same amount of money you were spending during the flourishing moments of your life, something's off. So each year, you've got to check my expenses. Are my expenses uh, uh, over exceeding my income? And you've got to daily do this, weekly do this, yearly do this. As a church, every year, we look into ways that we can save money. And we've done it every year since 1981, looking into ways, how can we save money? And we got some real penny pinchers in our church. 
on our staff. And I'm thankful. They say, hey, listen, we shouldn't, we shouldn't be spending there. We shouldn't be spending that. As, as an individual, you've got to make a decision to say, hey, I'm going to make the most of what I have, and I'm going to make sure that I cut back, trim the fat in areas I need to do that. Isaiah says this, that God teaches us how to profit, and he leads us in the way we should go. So you can listen to God, talk to God. He's going to teach you how to profit. He's going to teach you the way you should go. He's going to show you areas where you go, okay, you know what? I'm spending too much there. We need to stop that. We need to, we need to change this. We're going to cut back on how much we're eating out. We're going to change the way that we're uh, spending that much money on these areas. And we're going to trust God. We're going to get through this, but we're going to trust God in the process and make some wise decisions. Amen. And here's the last point right here. This is the point that really got me excited. Don't miss this. This is the best, most important point. A few months ago, when I was reading this book, I came across one of the chapters, and it was called The Stone in Your Sling. And it was talking about how when David faced Goliath, he had five stones, but he only used one. And there was this stone that he had in his sling, and when he released the stone, there was supernatural power to knock Goliath down, to knock out the giant. And my dad talks about the stone in our sling as believers is our seed. That when we release the seed that's in our hand, we are moving from fear into faith. We are moving from a spirit of hoarding into a spirit of generosity. Proverbs says the world of the generous gets larger and larger, while the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. He who withholds misses out on the blessing God has, but he who lets go steps into a supernatural anointing to prosper. Can I tell you this as a church? People ask, how did Victory get out of that $3.3 million of debt, right? Because four years later, we'd only paid $200,000 of the principal, so we still owed $3.1 million, but we got out of it in one year. Every month, Victory started sowing seed into other churches, other ministries, other uh, 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 missionaries and pastors around the world. We just started giving money away. People were like, Billy Joe, why are you doing that? He said, I want to set the example from the top down that we're going to sow seed. And as we release the seed in our hands, we know God's going to bring seed to the sower. We know Luke chapter six says that uh, as you give, it will be given back to you, pressed down, shaken together, running over, that the same measure you use to give, God will bring it back into your life. Second Corinthians chapter nine says, when you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. But when you sow bountifully, you reap bountifully. Now he who supplies seed to the sower will also supply seed to you and he will multiply what's in your hand to be a greater generous giver in your life. When Noah stepped off the ark after the flood, the flood had ruined everything. The flood reached past Mount Everest. Everything that was living was destroyed during the flood. When Noah stepped off that ark with all those animals, he still had something to give. So he gave God an offering. So many people think, I've got nothing to give. I've got nothing to give. And it's because your budget is upside down. You've put God at the bottom of your budget. You can't expect to be financially blessed when God is at the bottom of your budget. You need to move God back to the top. As long as you're breathing, you always have something to give. When God is at the top of your budget, and you're working hard and you're trusting God, I'm telling you, it's a matter of time before you are walking in financial freedom. Just trust God. Don't grow weary in well-doing, for you will reap a harvest if you don't give up. So when Noah walked off that ark and saw a dead, lifeless world, 
He gave God an offering, and in Genesis 8, it said, as long as the earth remains, there will always be seed time and harvest. No, as long as the earth remains, everyone will always have a chance to sow and to reap a harvest. It's your decision to do what you wanna do with your money. It's no one else's decision. But when you think you own it, you are missing out. You are not only robbing God, you're robbing yourself of the blessing God has for you. Malachi chapter three, verse 10 says this, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so that there will be enough food in my house. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have room enough to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. This is the only place in the Bible where God says, test me, test me, test me, test me. What if you just tried it? And if it doesn't work, then you don't have to do it. But what if you just put God to the test and don't just try it and then the next day say, well, nothing came in, so I'm not doing it anymore. <laughs> Noah didn't see the earth be replenished overnight. It was a process. Noah started at zero, but here we are, and the world is completely alive and well and has been replenished. Noah replenished the entire earth with that seed. Day after day, sowing the seed, and he would reap the harvest, planting, and he would see the harvest. If God brought Noah from zero to where we're at today, God can do it for you. I wanna tell you a quick story. When I was at ORU my senior year in 2007, we had three different presidents. It was a rough year for ORU. In fact, that fall of my senior year in 2007, my dad stepped in for a short season as the interim president. And there were news cameras all over the campus trying to get students to say something negative about the university. There was a real dark cloud, a heavy cloud of oppression over the university. We found out that as a, as a university, here in Tulsa, Oklahoma, at Oral Roberts University, that we were $52 million in debt. They said the doors are gonna close probably at Christmas time, and there won't be a university come January of 2008. I was a senior. One of the professors stood up in class and said, I wanna encourage all of you guys to transfer to John Brown University, Evangel University, transfer to Liberty or Southeastern. Hopefully one of those colleges will take you. They probably won't take your credits though, so you're gonna to have to start all over again because your degrees won't count because we're not gonna be accredited. It was one of the most discouraging lectures I'd ever heard. I just felt hopeless after this professor shared that. After class, many of the students de-enrolled from ORU. That same week, I, I went home and my dad had gotten a phone call from ORU and he said, Paul, I hate to tell you this, but the scholarship you had here at ORU has been completely removed and you're gonna have to pay back the last three and a half years. It was $80,000. <sighs> Man, it hit me hard. Like I was, I said, dad, I only have a few thousand dollars saved up. And I, 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 I said, can you help me? He said, no. <laughs> he said, I don't have that either. He said, but what we do have is a seed. We still have seed, Paul. And so let's release our faith and let's pray. Did God call you to ORU? I said, yes, God called me here, but I also had a scholarship and that's why I came. <laughs> but I knew God had called me here to ORU here in Tulsa. And he said, let's not just believe God that God's gonna help you financially. Because I started counting it and I was thinking, I'm gonna be in student loan debt for the next 20 years. And debt is owing anyone anything for any reason. And so I just knew, I, man, I'm gonna be in bondage. I'm gonna be 
I'm going to be carrying this chain for the next 20 years trying to get out of debt. I was so mad. I was mad at the whole situation. But that day, my dad said, let's pray. Let's pray not just for a miracle for you, but for a miracle for this university. So Christmas time came around and the professor told us, hey, be watching your emails because we may not have school in, in January. We may be closing down. We'll let you know if classes will resume. And so I was waiting for an email and Right after Christmas, I, my dad came into the living room. He came home from being out at the office and he came in with a smile. And I hadn't seen my dad smile like that in a while because the last few months, he had been carrying the weight of the university debt on his shoulders and the fact that it may be closing down that Christmas. And he came in with a smile and I said, what's going on? And he said, something good is going to happen to us. Something good is about to happen. I said, what are you talking about? Tell me, what, what is it? That smile, you, you know something. He said, something good is about to happen. I said, Dad, tell me. He said, you'll find out when everyone else finds out. I said, Dad, I'm your own flesh and blood. Just tell me. He said, no, you'll find out when everyone else finds out. And so I got the email that classes were going to resume. We didn't know what was going to happen. So we came back to school at ORU in Tulsa here and that, that week, we sat in the chapel and it was announced that the Hobby Lobby Green family had given $70 million to pay off all the debt of ORU to set them up over and above. Then my dad told me later on that afternoon, someone has anonymously paid for all of your schooling. You're going to graduate debt free. Your degree is going to count. Praise God. Take the shackles off my feet so I can dance. Freedom! We had a praise party at ORU. There was a lot of tears, a lot of shouting, a lot of dancing. But I want to tell you this. If God did it for ORU, he can do it for you. And it starts with throwing that stone, releasing that seed. Maybe you've never given to God in your life. Maybe you're a new Christian. Maybe it's your first time to church. I dare you. I challenge you to put God to the test. To sow what you have in your hand. What's a tie that's 10%? If you were to put God at the top of your budget, whatever just came in, the paycheck you just got, to say, Lord, I'm going to trust you. I, I can't afford to tithe, but I'm going to trust you. Because the truth is, you can't afford not to tithe. And when you release what's in your hand, I'm telling you, God has so much more in store for you. Right now, we're going to have a response. At the end of your row, there's offering envelopes. I want to encourage you today to take one. Even if you have nothing to give, just take it home with you. Keep it in your back pocket. If you got nothing to give, just take it and fill out a prayer request on that envelope. Today, I want to encourage all of us to give, to sow towards the miracle that you need, to sow a seed towards the giant that you're facing. I want you to sow right in the face of Goliath. He's staring you down. He's a big giant, but you just sling that stone. Sow your seed right into his face. Just throw it right into his forehead. Say, debt, money, you don't own me. I will no longer be a slave. From this day forward, I'm breaking the chains. I'm coming out of debt. I'm going to be the first person in my family to be debt free and to be a blessing to the next generation. God can do it. Release the stone in your sling. As you're filling out envelopes, just write on that prayer request, debt freedom. Write on that prayer request, financial freedom. Blessed to be a blessing. I want you to write down what you're believing for. Maybe you're in debt, $16,989. 
Maybe you're in debt $29,483. Maybe you're in debt a million plus dollars. Just like ORU, just like victory, God wants to bless you. He wants to bring you out. He wants to give you the blessing from Deuteronomy 28. He says, I've put life and death in front of you. And I call heaven as my witness. Choose life so that you might live. Today, you're choosing that you're going to walk out of this. You're going to come out of this tunnel of debt. You're going to come out of this dark tunnel of financial stress. And God, I thank you that the church, the Christians, will be the model for America, for China, for Russia, for all the nations of the earth. Lord, I thank you that Christians will rise up and be a blessing in their communities, in their states, in their nations, in Jesus' name. As you're sowing your seed this morning, you can do it through your cell phone. You can text to give. There's a number they have on the screen. It'll just go right through your cell phone carrier. And you can text the number you want to give. Or you can do it online right there at victory.com. We had a guy in our church named Justin Farmwall, college student from ORU. He got hit with a bunch of hospital bills, thousands of dollars that he couldn't pay. And the day came where he looked at those hospital bills and he said, I'm not going to run from this. I'm going to try and make a plan towards this, but I'm going to be paying this off for years and years. I'm a college student. I don't have this kind of money, but I'm a tither. So Lord, I trust that you're going to help me and take care of these bills that I'm facing right now that look like Goliath. Sure enough, he got a phone call two weeks later that said, all your hospital bills have been paid for. You are free. You don't owe the hospital a penny. I could tell you story after story. I had a guy come up to me after the 9 a.m. service. He said, my wife and I were $93,000 in debt. It little by little, we began knocking out the smallest debt first. He said, now we've been debt free for 10 years. We came out of that debt. We're not going back in it. We're able to be a blessing. God can do it for you. Millions of people are doing this around the world, are making a decision. I am not going to be the borrower anymore. Lord, I pray right now, again, just for every person in this room, let faith rise up. Nothing is impossible. Lord, we worship you with our offerings this morning. We trust you, God. We're putting you at the top. You said, seek first the kingdom of God and all these other things will be added. Lord, I thank you that you care about the details of our life, God. I thank you that there is nothing that you cannot do. So Lord, we trust you and we release what we have into your hand in Jesus' name. This morning, I wanna just invite anyone here today who is believing to get out of debt, who's believing for financial freedom, maybe you've been stressed out, maybe you've been carrying the world on your shoulders, I wanna invite you to make a bold step towards your destiny, to just leave your seat, come down to this altar as a declaration that today, you are breaking the chains off of your family, breaking the chains off of your life, The generational curse of poverty is going to get broken off your family, off of you. It starts with you. The buck stops here. And today you're saying, I take that word. I I receive God's word. I believe God's word. And today I declare that what God did back then, he can do again. And what he did for him, he can do for me today. I declare I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. I am blessed and I am not cursed in Jesus name. I believe God's looking for some Jabez's that have been born into poverty and debt. And he's looking for Jabez's to say, Lord, 
Bless me to be a blessing. Enlarge my territory. Increase my influence. Lord, you know my heart is pure. I want to be a blessing to the next generation. I want to be the lender, the giver, and not the borrower. From this day forward, I'm coming out of the bondage, the prison of feeling like I can't overcome the financial stress. Let's just move as close as we can. Make room. There's people coming all through these aisles right now. Many of you have maybe heard this story. I shared it in August for the first time, but when I stepped in as pastor, it was a big load to carry and to weekly see what it takes to do what God's called us to do as a ministry. And I said, God, I didn't have all the, the ideas for everything Victory's doing. My parents had the vision for the school, the camp, the Bible college, the Dream Center all the missions and I said God I need help because here I am I at that at that time I was 29 years old I said God I need help to be able to lead this ministry and just like Solomon asked God for wisdom I said God I need wisdom and also need help financially to be able to do what you've called us to do and wisdom to know what we don't need to do and all of those things and I said God I don't want my pride to get in the way I don't want my lack of knowledge or unqualified mindset to get in the way so God teach me how to prosper teach me how to teach our church how to prosper and so the first week I stepped in as pastor a very wealthy person in our city called me into his office he said I used to go to your church I haven't gone in a long time but he said I'm interested in coming back however I've got some requirements and he began to list a few things that he wanted me to do and I was sitting there thinking well maybe maybe he's the answer and God just challenged my heart. Paul, are you going to trust man's money? Or are you going to trust my provision? Are you going to trust in what man can do? Because if you can be bought, you will be bought at any price. Don't take it, Paul. Look him in the eyes and say, we love you. God bless you. But no, I will only do what God's called me to do. And the boldness of God rose up on the inside of me. And I looked this man in the eyes who was twice my age and had a whole lot more money, multi, multi, multi millions. And I said, we love you. We're going to miss you a lot. <laughs> and if you feel like you can't come here unless I do what you've asked me to do, then I understand. And the door will always be open for you to come back to church here but I can only do what God's called me to do. And I thought maybe the hidden cameras would come out and they'd say, you passed the test. This was all a test, but there were no hidden cameras. This was, this was for real. And he left, he never came back. And I remember just having moments, weeks, where things would just be so tight, so close, and I'd be stressed and, and anxious and just trying to cast my cares on the Lord. And oftentimes we cast our cares on God, but we use a fishing rod and we just reel it back in. We just pull that care back in. I'm gonna hold on to that care. I felt like that's what I was doing. And so God just said, Paul, trust me, I've got you. I've got this church. See, God sits on the throne of victory and God sits on the throne of your house. God sits on the throne of your marriage and God sits on the throne of your family and your children and your future children and your children's children. And God cares about you more than you care about you. And God knows the answers to your problems more than you do. 
And so the day came where God brought a person across our path. He said, I never knew your dad. I didn't get to hear him preach, but Paul, I've been watching you and I've seen your faithfulness to the word of God. And I've seen the church's faithfulness to keep giving and being a blessing to the nations and to the city and with the dream center and the camp and the school and the Bible college. And he said, I just, I want you to know God sees it and God's gonna reward whatever you've had to do in secret. And I, I kind of teared up and this guy was kind of in jean shorts and flip-flops. I said, thank you. And he said, I got something I want to give you. I said, well, praise God. He said, I want to help you guys out. I want to help victory out. And the day came where he called me and he said, there's a check ready for the church for whatever you guys need to put it towards. And we were, it was a real tight time. This was in 2015. No, this was this year. This was in 2016. And he called me and he said, go pick up the check. It was the largest check that's ever been given in the history of the church, over a million dollars to take care of needs and situations. We were able to sow it. And guys, can I tell you, God is faithful. When you obey the word of God, when you get your faith in line with his word, he is faithful. He's going to help you. I know that we're going a little bit over, but man, I just feel like there's an anointing right now on our church to come out of fear and to come into faith, to come out of bondage and to come into freedom. Lord, I just pray right now for every person in this room. God, I pray, Lord, for financial freedom, the ability to be a blessing. Lord, I pray, God, just for wisdom. You're not alone and you're not outnumbered. You and God are the majority. You're gonna make it. And I just pray, Lord, for the Goliaths to fall that are standing in front of them. In Jesus' name, every giant, every mountain has to bow at the name of Jesus. What a wonderful name it is. He has no rival. He has no equal. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and He will not be defeated by debt. He will not be defeated by poverty. He will not be defeated by cancer. He is faithful. Jesus. After a few years of victory getting out of debt, my dad was facing a tough week in the church where we needed $60,000 just to be able to keep the lights on. And there was no way we were gonna get it. We were, we were a church full of young college students at that time and he, he wrote down in his journal, he said, God, what good is it to not borrow money if we can't pay people and keep the lights on? I'm just gonna go back into debt. He said, I had decided in my mind that that afternoon at 3.30, I was going to the bank and I was going to sign a note for $60,000 and we were going to go back into debt, even though we had been debt free for four years. So here he was about to go to the bank and someone called him and said, hey, come to this luncheon at ORU. Oral Roberts is speaking today. So he came to the luncheon and when he sat down in that room, Oral Roberts preached a message over lunch that day called Don't Give Up. He said, the whole time I was crying because I was ready to give up on the dream of our church. But I decided that day, I'm not going to the bank. I'm going to trust God. We're going to do what we need to do as a church. And we're going to believe. By Friday at 5 p.m., all the money came in. Victory was able to do what it needed to do. Guys, I'm telling you, God is able and he's faithful. Let's pray this together. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe in you. You are able to do exceedingly abundantly above what I can ask or even imagine so I declare today that I am a child of God I'm the head and not the tail I am blessed to be a blessing and I'm coming out of debt 
and I'm going to walk in financial freedom and financial victory. I believe you died on the cross. You rose from the dead and that same resurrection power lives in me. So I repent of my sins and I receive your forgiveness and I choose to trust you. I'm all yours, God. Use me for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I want us to shout as if you already have seen the victory. Shout like you already came out of debt. shackles off my feet you've got it you've got it man something just broke in the atmosphere Well, I want to appreciate you for staying extra today. How many of you know there's sometimes you just got to linger in church because there's a word from God. Hey, you've got the victory. Now walk in victory on your way out today. I want you to encourage the people around you, beside you, behind you, in front of you. Don't leave without speaking a word of encouragement down at this altar. God bless you. We love you.